<laughs> welcome to We Live in a Society, episode one, or otherwise known as the dumpster fire that is the inner workings of our minds. You've come to just the right place. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're listening to this. It's nice to have you here. We can't wait to get into the episode today. Today, what I have for you is this this case that kind of shook my community a bit. I remember it happening in real time because it wasn't that long ago. And it really questioned a lot about my decision because when this happened, we had already started law school. We'd already started this whole shebang. And at that moment, I kind of sat to myself and I was like, whoa. But we'll get into more of that in a second, right? Yikes. Yikes, right? We'll see. We'll see. It's a, it's a doozy for you today and it hits home for both of us, I reckon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so what I'd say Alex and I's favorite activity, or at least one of them, is sitting at a cafe, you know, we're catching up, we're basking in sunlight, right? So imagine you're doing exactly that, right? You're a very successful lawyer, the goal. You've had a wonderful morning with a friend, and now you're just relaxing with a cup of coffee at a local cafe that you so enjoy, right? Mm -hmm. But the next thing you know, you're shot, you're on the ground, you're in a pool of your own blood in broad daylight, and you die in the arms of your friend. Yeah, that's what I call big yikes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, but that is exactly what happened to well-known Sydney lawyer Ho Ledin. And he is a local name in my community, at least. And he was quite well-known. So if there's anyone listening to this who knows of this, you'd know exactly how hard hit the community was for this. Damn. I remember hearing about this case a long time ago. Mm. Um, and yeah. Pretty spooky, I'm not going to lie. Quite spooky. And we'll get into the reasons why he was shot in broad daylight, like public execution style, a little later on. And it just, oof, it's a little scary. Um, yeah, so before we get into what happened that day, let's talk a bit about well, who our lawyer is and like why was he so prominent in the community, right? So his name is Ho Lidin. He was 65 years old. He was a father of five, with three being very, very young children, right? And mm. um, if anyone knows anything about my community, it's that everyone here is basically refugees, right? And he was the same. He didn't come from the most affluent or privileged background. He fled from Vietnam to Australia during the Vietnam War, like many others did in the late 1980s. But he was basically just escaping a war-torn country for safety to Australia, like so right. many others do, you know, history, right? Yeah. Like it takes so much courage and tenacity and perseverance to be able to remove yourself from that situation, to save yourself, save your family and give your family and future generations like the opportunity to better their situation. It's so difficult. And the fact that he did that at quite a young age and he came to Australia and then like established himself to be a prominent name in the community and to be such a successful lawyer is mind boggling. To be able to do all of that in one lifetime is insane, right? Yeah. I think, like, for a lot of first-generation Asians, it's like their parents did a lot of stuff in order mm-hmm. for us to be here right now. And, like, a lot of work goes into that. I think we underappreciate it a lot of the time. But, like, mm-hmm. honestly, like, a lot of work goes into, like, building a life after moving from, like, your home country. Yeah. So, like, when you talk about, like, how he kind of came over and, like, was able to, like, really make a name for himself and provide for his family, like, honestly, it makes this case kind of sad for me because yeah. I just feels feels bad for the family. Yeah. Um, and like just the circumstances in general, to be honest. Right. As like children of refugees, this is insane. Imagine like our parents doing that exact same thing that he did. And then 
establishing himself to be such a successful lawyer it's insane we can't even do that and we're born we're so privileged right and it's yeah. insane like oof, my brain was he not only was he really prominent in the community and was a really successful lawyer he had his own law firm and he was a principal in that law firm a very well-known criminal lawyer he was like the go-to for the area right um right yeah and it was bankstown based and the firm was called ladin lawyers he was very well respected within the community and like all his close friends said that he was really really good at being a lawyer but really bad at being a businessman and that kind of plays into why he ended up the way he did unfortunately mm. right interesting so yeah yeah um a bit about like the legal background of um Holodin. he really came into prominence when he represented philip win when who was jailed in 2010 over the killing of a police constable bill cruz over a drug raid that was quite a bit of news um uh, but it was in 2010s so i'm not sure if our audience is too familiar with it but to sum it up it was basically a drug raid gone wrong and then a man shoots a plain clothes police officer and then he gets put in jail basically Jesus. and honestly not delving too deep into the background of this area but this kind of story happens all the time at least back in the day so mm. You know, he wrote to prominence through one of those cases. Um, and it also might be important to note within this case that a lot of his clients were involved in organized crime or some sort of gang-related stuff. This comes to play a little bit later on, but at the moment, it's pretty much all just rumors because we'll see when we talk about it that the motive for this case is very unclear and it's likely we will never know why he was executed publicly in that way. Mm. So... Right. I swear, anything gang related, just step away. It's just too yeah. much. You never watch like Underbelly. I don't know if oh, it's yeah. relevant, but like I feel like <laughs> that show was about like gang wars and shit like that. Hundred um, percent. Kind of scares me. That's why I would not like to work in this field ever. Yeah. But. Yeah. And at the end of the case, we even get a pretty poignant statement from the New South Wales Law Society about this whole thing and the dangers of being a lawyer. And I will end this episode with that because it's something that you just think about to let it sink in what it really means to put ourselves in this profession, to be honest, mm. which is insane. Yeah, so Hoherdin was a really, really good man. Um, he was very outspoken and he had such a tangible passion for social justice. He was really into protecting those who couldn't protect themselves. In one of his very last interviews in September 2017, he quoted Albert Einstein saying that the world is a dangerous place to live, not because people are evil, but because people don't do anything about it. And, it's just, mm, mm, and it kind of ties back to this whole case as well, which is, oof, it's a doozy, I'm not going to lie. But ultimately, for the moment he was born to his unfortunate passing, he was all about just uplifting his community and his people. And that was kind of his life goal really to bring people up and that is why this case is even more sad wow cannot wait for this one sounds yeah. depressing Let's it go. is very <laughs> depressing yeah okay so on the 23rd of january 2018 so two and a half years now since recording he didn't spend his morning like he did many others he was at a bubble tea shop or a cafe called happy cup in bankstown that he partially owned right and he was catching up with a longtime friend so he was just in a very safe environment that he knew that he planned that he had a part in making right and he was just chilling with his friend the shop wasn't quiet by any means it was located right across a train station and it was within a busy shopping plaza just 50 meters away from where his office was located if you know anything about Bankstown train station, that place has a lot of foot traffic. There's a lot of people coming through every single day. And mm. it was just right across there. 
basically what you're saying is that he felt very, very, very safe in this type of environment because he basically it was right next to his office. He's yeah. in an environment where he's just there day to day, like for yeah. basically his whole routine. <laughs> Pretty much coming out of nowhere right now. Basically, like he spent so much time in it. I read articles that said that his first home was his office and his second home was this cafe that he owned. So literally within the 50 meter radius of where he spent all of his time and he was just safe and comfortable. Um, right. Right. So after enjoying his morning with his friend at the cafe, he leaves and then he comes back to the same cafe at 2 p.m. Because, you know, as I just said, it's his second home. He spends all his time there. It's like a nice place to be in, you know, around people that you like. Mm-hmm. But he was there chilling. And shortly before 4 p.m. that same day in the cafe, a man Lee did, did not know, did not recognize and had no prior connection with. He was dressed in a high-vis green jacket walks up to Ladin from behind as he's enjoying his afternoon and without a word opens fire point blank three times in vaguely the pelvic region. Jesus. Yeah. Now, like, keep in mind, this is January in Australia, meaning it's summertime and the sun doesn't go down until like 6 or 7 p.m. And this was right before 4 p.m. So the sun is still high. It's mid-afternoon. People are out and about shopping, coming back from wherever, who knows where, because it's right across the station. So foot traffic is heavy. Sun is up. And so right. this execution style murder happened in broad daylight. It's just insane. Yeah, that's kind of scary if you think about the timeline. Like January's right after Christmas, yeah. or like holiday period. So people yeah. are still with their families all the time. Yeah. And school has not started yet. So kids are out and about. It's a shopping yeah. center for one. So people uh sales are like super high at this point in time because you know Christmas is finished. Yeah. So of course it's gonna be really busy. To hear about like a shooting happening like right in public in a mm-hmm. shopping center with so many people around literally like scares the shit out of me i'm, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie because i can just imagine like putting myself in that and putting myself in somebody's shoes minding my own business as i normally would and having to like witness something like that like right. holy shit bro right. i don't think i'd be able to like deal with that right and like to add on top of that um not only was it like not school time yet but it was also right before the australia day weekend so when families were preparing for the long weekend to make that huge feast and to celebrate and it's in the mm. middle of a shopping center with a lot of grocery stores that a lot of people go to so this was like a pretty busy place i just can't imagine it fucking yikes yeah yeah but after he was shot Lidin gets up and he staggers to the right entrance of the front like the entrance of the shop and he falls, he falls because he's been shot three times in the pelvic region. It is in this very position that he falls that he is found later on, lying in a pool of his own blood, just bleeding out as witnesses run screaming from the area because there's a lot of witnesses. It's broad daylight. Yeah. He didn't die at the scene after the shooting. That is so sad. Like, I can't even imagine just like, <laughs> I, well, I can't imagine being shot in the first place. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I hope to never find myself in that situation i hope you don't too yeah but for him to get up and then try and like i don't know get help or like see what's happening i can't imagine like how he was feeling during the time as well because that's like pretty scary to be shot like what i said like more than once and then i don't know what goes through goes through your mind in those like final moments but i just like i don't know i feel like i feel very like empathetic towards him i don't know if that's Mm -hmm. the right word but i feel for him right now because sounds like a terrible terrible situation to be in it really does and it's like to add on top of that you're in a space that you feel so safe in it's broad daylight the last thing on your mind is that something bad's gonna happen right it's legit like if you were just at home and somebody came and shot you basically it would be the same thing you would feel very safe and you would not be aware of anything that would happen to you right 
if we were in a cafe drinking coffee in the broad daylight, we would not expect to die there. That's not what we expect to happen. This is terrifying. It is terrifying. Yeah, so as I said, Ladin did die at the scene. There was a bit of, the police copped a little bit of flack, I'm not going to lie, because they took 15 minutes to arrive to the scene. But the police station was based just around the corner. And even though he was shot three times, the police took 15 minutes to get there. When they did arrive, like the only thing that the police could do was just put a very large white sheet over two chairs to stop the public from seeing his body bleed out. And that's all they could do. Whoa. Yeah, I read about this, like as I was doing some research. Mm. And to be honest, it seems kind of sus for a police station to be so close Mm-hmm. And then for a shooting to have happened, and they take so long to react. Like, I don't really understand the logic behind that because mm-hmm. for me, that just sounds something's not right there. Yeah, it's a little bit dodgy. But then again, please don't sue us. This is our opinion. We don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> but in our opinion, it is very dodgy. 15 minutes, but you're right around the corner. Someone's bleeding out, dying, and there's witnesses everywhere. And he was a prominent criminal lawyer in the area. So. Yeah. Regardless, regardless, he did die, unfortunately. And the attack was very deliberate. It was targeted and planned. And the gunman had no care about whether or not he was caught or seen, right? Because, like, you'd argue that if someone did this in broad daylight, you'd think he'd want to be seen. I mean, the circumstances would point to that. It's like, if you could go shoot somebody, I don't even, like, from what you described, I don't think he really took that much effort to hide his identity. Mm -hmm. So it begs the question, like, is he was he expecting to just like get caught or was he going to run away or like what's going on in his mind i don't really know Mm, right and add on top of that we're going to talk a little bit more about it later but he was wearing a bright green fluoro high vis jacket like the ones that the workers wear when they're on construction sites the fluoro you cannot miss it he was wearing that to murder someone you know hours after his death the neighboring businesses Um, business owners and businesses they came to the crime scene to pay their respects because this was a very prominent figure within the Bankstown community and he was a business owner as well of them there was this owner of a nearby Vietnamese bakery who left cake at the site and he was quoted saying that this cake was what Lidin always ordered at his shop every time he could so he left it out for him as like his final treat and I was just so upset reading this bit because, like, if you know anything about Asian culture and the community immigrants build, especially, you'd understand, like, how significant every individual's role is, right? And how shaken this community must have been afterwards. Such a prominent figure just gunned down in broad daylight. How unsafe and how unstable the community must feel right afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very small town, like, in the Blue Mountains, and people knew everybody. So mm. I'm just imagining if somebody was to be like executed in the middle of like the town with everybody around, I would feel so disturbed in my own like home. Right. And I think right. I also feel for the community because it's just something you don't really plan for. And I think whenever something like this happens, it really does like affect a lot of people. And yeah. I just feel for anyone who just had to go through that. Yeah, I understand. Even in that few words and that small little gesture of putting the cake down and why they chose that cake specifically, you kind of get just a glimpse or a little feel about how interconnected everyone is and how much they support and uplift each other's businesses and each other's individuals, right? Mm. Which makes this daylight execution even more tragic than it already is. So it's just 
very upsetting this whole thing there is a point that is a oh, i don't know if i can say thankful in light of a public execution but thankfully Ludin's wife mrs hung left for vietnam like hours before the killing which again there's like the timing of it all led to a lot of conspiracy theories and rumors being created uh, that Lidin, in fact, sent his wife and children to Vietnam prior to the shooting because he had a feeling about what's going to happen. But I haven't been able to find any reliable source for it. So take this with a grain of salt. Either way, there's whispers around the community saying that Lidin knew something was wrong and he sent his family away to protect them. Interesting. It's just like any other conspiracy theory. There's never really any hard evidence. Mm -hmm. So we'll never know the answer. Yeah, we but never will know, yeah. What is always interesting about like cases like this is how things always come together. Like different pieces of the puzzle when you rearrange it. I think anyone could make any type of story about like why this happened, where the reason mm -hmm. why she left for Vietnam at that point in time. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and add on top of that, the motive that is very murky, we'll get to that. But if we add those two together, that's why this is like the perfect little slew for all these conspiracy theories because there's no clear answer to anything within this case. Mm. If we want to make it even more tragic, like to add tragedy upon tragedy, it's terribly ironic that a friend of the couple came out to media and said that Lee Din and his wife actually met at the very cafe he was executed in. That was where they started their relationship and that was such a prominent and important part of his life that he met his wife there and it's just whoa quite upsetting that's kind of like yeah. full circle but in yeah. a circumstance that you don't really want yeah no no god it's it's terribly ironic I mean, very it feels bad for the wife to be honest because i don't mm. know i was reading the case and i'm like he left five children and a wife they're never really going to know what we that's what we assume but i feel really bad for the kids as well because now they have to grow up without a father right. and they just have to live like that like just feels bad right and three of those kids were very very young as well and imagine being a widow having to raise five children on your own and your husband's diet that's like you know not only emotional support but parental figure and like financial support it's all gone in one fell swoop i mean and you're just left even there. just the trauma of going through that in the first place is going to take yeah. a toll so right and like the grieving how do you grieve properly if you are expected to do all these other things and care for so many kids you know well, how do you process that? I mean, that? I really don't think you can unless you have like a super, super good support set, like network around you because I don't think I'd be able to deal with that on my own. I don't think anyone would. But hopefully she had people around her to help her out. I really hope she had a very strong support network because God knows she needs it. Okay, so why was he murdered and who actually killed him? Honestly, before we can even touch on why he was murdered this way, we have to talk about who hired, who killed him. On 13th of February in 2018, so about two weeks after Lidin's execution, 38-year-old Arthur Calicolio, I'm probably slaughtering <laughs> that name, but he was arrested at Sydney International Airport after trying to flee to Bali, right? Two weeks. It took him two weeks to flee. So allegedly, though, Mr. Calicolio had absolutely nothing to do with Lidin. He had no personal vendetta. He had no connections. didn't know the guy. But rather, he was simply just a gunman hired to conduct the public execution. And he was really just responding to a hit that was placed on him. Interesting. Interesting. Of course, you have to go to Bali. <laughs> mm -hmm. Australians and Bali. Yeah. <laughs> it's our second home, let's be honest. Basically, basically. <sighs> this guy, this normal lawyer has a hit placed on him. 
And we find out three weeks after the arrest of Kelly Kolu that the mastermind is allegedly a 35-year-old pregnant mother of four, Annalosa Akeni from Liverpool. And she was arrested on March 8, 2018, charged with murder and is accused of masterminding the whole thing. Mm. So imagine that. Pregnant mother of four, the ma- the evil mastermind behind a public execution. Just... She'd be a great mother. Yeah, I just, <laughs> it goes against all the notions of like, you know, motherly figures, very loving and very nurturing. And she's a mastermind. I mean, yeah, when you have a baby, your maternal instincts are raised like a thousand percent. So I'm not sure how she was able to come up with a plan to murder someone while she's creating life at the same time. That's a bit fucked up. Like, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was creating life as she was taking life away. Yikes. It's a psychopath right there. Actually. She's in jail, so I hope we're safe. But, like, (laughs) it's our opinions. It's our opinions. Please don't come for us. Yeah. If anyone anyone connected to this case ever hears this, um, we just like to talk shit. Please. Yes. Respectfully. Respectful yeah. I will read that. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Moving on. Okay. So solid facts. Um, at court, there was CC footage revealed that um, Kenny was actually on scene like less than an hour prior to Ladin's murder, yeah. right? Just to surveil the place. She was there to physically hand the hitman, Kelly Colio, a bottle of water and the high-vis green jacket that we were talking about, she was the one that gave that to him. Right. So it was almost like she wanted him to be seen. Interesting. What was the water for? Do you know? That sounds very specific. I'll talk about that in a second, but I have my own little theory about it. But less so theory, but more of a reaction to it. Either way, what he was wearing wasn't inconspicuous clothing, mm-hmm. right? Dude, it's high-vis jacket that you can see from a mile away. You're, you're a basically gun. a walking highlighter. Like, that's if you want to visualize exactly. it, that's what it is. <laughs> Exactly. He is a walking highlighter. And an image of this will be uploaded to our Instagram for those who are curious to what he was wearing. So please do go check that out. So as Alex was, he just mentioned the bottle of water, right? So prior to the assassination, literally moments prior to his assassination, Kelly Curley would just calmly take a drink out of that water bottle, like the water bottle Annalosa gave him. Not unlike the way you or me would drink from a bottle right before we do any physical activity. He literally just took a sip, closed it, walked up, and then shot the guy and killed him. The nonchalance of that entire series of actions is just kind of shows the level of disregard and reckless abandon for human life, if you will, for what he was about to do. Like, I can't wrap my mind around it. He was just so chill and calm about all yeah, of Yeah, I mean, what even goes through your mind when you're about to shoot somebody? Like, I don't know how you meant to prepare yourself for that mentally because that's just fucked up, bro. Right. Like, you know, when you're nervous, you're all jittery. The last thing I want to do when I'm nervous, at least, is to be like drinking water or like putting anything into my body. I'd just be like a lot of nervous energy pacing around, pants sweating. Yeah. Then just chill, drinking a water calmly, just taking a swig. I, I can't, I can't, I don't understand. You know what, though? I think my theory on this is either he either was on drugs or some shit to calm his nerves, or he's like done this before many, many times because. You'd have to have some type of like mental preparation in order to like, execute something like this. So I'm thinking he's either like yeah. fucking high or he he's just he's done this before. Yeah, and I didn't even know Australia like within Australia you could hire a hitman. I had no idea you could do that. Apparently you can. So probably. Do you want to try it? No, no. For legal reasons, <laughs> we do not. I mean, it's for research reasons. 
Dude, no, that's kind of we're gonna fall into some trap and then we're gonna get end up getting shot. Right. Just for trying to Fine. rig the system. Fine. <laughs> Fine. No, for legal reasons, we will not and we do not <laughs> condone this. We did not endorse it, man. We did not endorse murder. No. Um no, no, no. If we get that in writing, somebody please tell us. Thank you. You know, we're respectful people. Continuing on. Uh, I really don't want to be laughing in the middle of talking about murder, but okay. So at the time of Lidin's execution. She was at a nearby shop. Like she was just chilling out, shopping, browsing. Like she was just waiting for a phone call that would tell her the dude was dead. That was it. And once she got that phone call, she would get into her van and become a getaway driver for the gunman. Yikes. Yeah. She got personally involved with it. And shortly after the shooting, Annalisa packed up all her shit and fled to New Zealand, only coming back later to arrange for all the stuff to be shipped over, which she then got arrested at. What I find really interesting about this is that after her arrest, the police actually found photos of a pistol that looked exactly like the one used to kill Lidin on her mobile phone, resting on her goddamn kitchen bench. Like the bitch didn't delete <laughs> that photo or anything, she just kept it there. I just, she really does not give a fuck. Yeah, actually, just what? Anyways, so, so far it's just been two people that were arrested, right? But the police had a feeling that there was a third involved and the third person wasn't arrested until a year and a half later after the murder. And that third person was Abraham Sinai, who is a 34-year-old and the husband of our mastermind pregnant lady, Annalosa. Right. Whoa, surprise. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. It was her husband. So he was arrested at a Leppington house on the morning of May 16th, 2019, almost a year and a half after the execution. And he was found to be the one responsible for contacting hitman Arthur Kelly Colio. So he was charged with murder as well. Whoa. Whoa. Hold on. Are these people like involved in like a gang His or thing. something? We have no idea and we'll likely never know. Because if she's going to prepare her departure after the execution, then she's obviously planned this like way in advance. I'm thinking like, what is mm -hmm. her background? Like, how does she know how to do this? Mm -hmm. Right, right. How do you go about and know, hey, this is exactly how I'm going to contact a hitman? Yeah, it's like you don't go to the yellow pages for that. Like, let's be real. Either way, these guys are shady. They're more than shady. They're like shade under shade. Mm -hmm. Either way, they did get arrested um, relatively quickly, to be honest, for the first two, which honestly expected if you're going to kill someone and execute them in public, broad daylight with multiple witnesses, do you really expect to get away with Yeah, it? I mean... Like, in this day and age, people, come on, like, don't be dumb. Like, exactly, exactly. It wasn't even that long ago. It was two years ago, 2018, like, with mobile phone, social media. Everyone knows everything about everyone, basically. Legit. Everyone's connected. You cannot hide. Yeah. Yeah, you cannot. And your digital footprint, right? Okay, so now we know who, it, who the victim was, who killed him. But what we don't know is why he was killed in the way that he was killed, right? Mm. And as I kind of alluded to before, the motive is still very unclear. All we have is a bunch of rumours and like whispers. That's basically all we have. It's allegedly over a $200,000 dispute, likely relating to his profession as a lawyer. And this dispute was ongoing for some time prior to execution. But what the dispute was about, whether it was about a court case, whether it was about his client, but it's like still very unclear. Right. right? The reason why it's so unclear is largely due to the solicitor-client privilege. So whatever um, he knows and whatever documents he holds about his clients, they will always be kept private, even after he is dead. 
because privilege continues after death, right? All that stuff and all the information about who could possibly want Lydian dead is kept private. So it's likely that we would never know, like ever, about why he died or who wanted him dead. Interesting. This takes me back to like ethics class where we're talking about, you know, lawyer client privilege and all these things and like how mm-hmm. you can't share any information, even like cases like this, or even like even worse cases where yeah. you don't really know what the lawyers know. Because the client can tell you anything and you, you just can't say anything to other people. Exactly. And even after you die, someone kills you. That information is still confidential. You can't tell anyone ever. Yeah. And the information dies with you as well if you know it. So Basically. no one's ever going to find out. Right. right. Which is really scary for me. And it kind of made me rethink a lot of my decisions <laughs> about choosing this field in the first place. Even now. Um, for now, the consensus is that his death was likely work-related, and that's that's the only thing we know. That is scary for anybody who would like to represent criminals or work in criminal mm-hmm. law. Mm-hmm. This is why I don't. Mm-hmm. I this is why I take the the corporate route, or I'm <laughs> like a non-for-profit, or just people who are not going to get into you know, <laughs> uh, like murdering people or committing heinous crime. I really can't represent that because I don't think I'd be able to handle the stress. To be honest. Funny you should say corporate law, though, because as we'll talk about later on, our favourite movie, Michael Clayton, and corporate law and how you end up dying if you walk corporate law. Anyway, so, you know, funny you say that. But in light of the daylight execution of Lujin, basically, all his friends have come out saying that, you know, his job as a lawyer is actually really terrible because, sure, you can make some people happy, but you also make other people really, really mad. Mm. Fair enough. Like, mad enough to take your life, almost. I mean, I feel like that's just the law profession in general. You're always going to have those happy clients. You're going to have people you just can't please. And you really can't... I mean, there's only to a certain extent you can really um, achieve an outcome. Otherwise, out of your hands Mm -hmm. because you're just following law. So it's just something that people need to respect. I don't think a lot of clients understand that either. So props Mm -hmm. to anyone out there practicing law right now, especially in the criminal field, because... Uh, you got more balls than me. Yikes. I reckon you need, like, balls of steel to even consider doing this. I mean, even just having an interview with, like, someone who's suspected of murder, I, I would just be like, did you kill somebody? I'm talking to a murderer. I'm going <laughs> to die. <laughs> oh, and then you'll be breaking privilege, and then you'll get, like, you know, license who? Oh, yeah. Like, what? Even your mental health. Like, to have to keep, like, all those secrets with you, bro, Yeah. cannot. Yeah. Cannot. Absolutely terrifying. We will deal with it when we graduate and have to do this in real Love life. It. But for now, we are safe in our little law school bubble. <sighs> I love it. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned prior as well, upon his death, the Law Society of New South Wales issued a statement basically contemplating the dangers lawyers can face and the risk of bringing um, work home, right? Mm. Literally, murder can be an occupational hazard. Ba-bub, title drop. Nice. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, but murder can be an occupational hazard, really. Because if we remember anything about the cab rank rule, barristers don't get to choose their clients because everyone deserves representation, right? And I feel like the lay people don't really understand that um, certain lawyers, you can't choose your client. You can't turn away someone because rule of law, everyone is equal. Everyone deserves representation. So what if you meet all the wrong people and, like, you're so unfortunate to, like, say the wrong thing or not get what someone wants that is like so not possible Mm -hmm. then what do you do you end up dead you really might end up dead and through no fault of your own as well 
like I'm just I'm just I mean when you speak of (laughs) occupational hazard I'm thinking like if you're for example if you're working at Woolies and you slip on a grape and you break a leg (laughs) (laughs) that's a case we learn about I remember that oh yeah very clearly (laughs) uh that's total negligence anyway (laughs) I'm thinking like as a lawyer right occupational hazard is murder that's a pretty high bar like let's be real something I don't know if I'd be able to agree with that but it's just the reality of what it is but when I think about it, it's just very, I don't know, it sounds so out of left field to to know that like an occupational hazard is that you can die and you just take yeah, it on yeah. as as is normal. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of other like occupations where you can. Oh, yeah. Like, um, High rise building construction. I heard plumbing is, yeah, I heard plumbing is really, um, like sewerage plumbing is really, really dangerous. I was reading about it. Um, I don't remember why exactly, but I know. It's Your future? Dangerous. Either way, <laughs> uh, probably, honestly, the more I read about like the role of lawyers and what you have to do within this field of law, I'm kind of just questioning a lot of Unless questions. Unless you want to be. Yeah, yeah. And like on top of that, as we were talking about before, like the client solicitor privilege things, so even if we do end up dead, murdered, assassinated, mm-hmm. you know, the reason would be kept under wraps, right? Because no one would ever find out. Our family can't ever have closure because privilege. Yeah, that's so, kind of scary, to be honest. This. This kind of sounds like we're complaining about um, law school and our opportunities. No, we're very thankful and very privileged and very lucky to be doing this. But I feel like we came into this with a lot of preconceived notions that were wrong about law and what it means to be a lawyer. And only now are we finding out about like the true nature of it. As anybody going through law school will probably understand as well. well. Yeah. Because let us talk yeah. about this when you are applying for a degree or when you're doing your HSC no. and you're learning about business law and like some family law stuff like that i talk about like the real shit that goes on behind the scenes right i remember in first year um all of our law friends right will say oh i can't wait to be this huge lawyer make lots of money be like really prestigious i'm gonna have a big house nice cars and then the more you learn about it you learn that your pay isn't very great you're doing a lot of like just menial tasks basically right and it's just non-stop work that's it. Yeah. With danger now, with murder thrown in the mix. Yeah, it's like you lift off the beer goggles and you kind of see the reality of what you're facing or what you're going to face. Yeah. And your excitement yeah. kind of plummets, let's be real. Yeah, we we were just naive children walking into this. And still are. Hmm. We, yeah, yeah, we haven't graduated yet. So really, we probably only know the tip of the iceberg of the shit that happens within the field of law, you know? Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, but so this case really reminded me, like we mentioned briefly before, the whole idea of corporate law, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Michael Clayton film. We watched this recently for corporate law, and I feel like this case really reminded me of this. It's like you can't really escape the dangers of law, depend, like no matter what field you're in, right. really. A bit about Michael Clayton. Alex, can you tell the plot? And I'll... I mean, okay, from what I know about the plot, and to give some context behind it, when you're forced to watch a movie for class, you're not as engaged as if you were to intentionally choose to watch something. So from what I know, it's about um, a couple of different lawyers who are working, supposed, supposedly working on the same side to protect this company that creates a product. But the product itself, uh, it low-key poisons people and gives them cancer and they die. So it's like a class suit happening. Or there's like potential class suit happening, a lot of liability on the company side. And so these lawyers are tasked with, you know, protecting the company, making sure the information doesn't get leaked, that their reputation is good. And throughout the whole two hours, it, it explores 
I think like three to four different people who and like how yeah. they behave or react in the situation. So you've got people who yeah. are very like are you know aligned to the company, willing and ready to protect everything necessary to make sure that they get the job done and the company is fine. And there's others who are more dealing with like the morals and the ethics of like what they're actually doing, which is protecting a company that's mm-hmm. like ultimately to kill people and yeah, you know the implications from that. And there's others who are kind of in the middle, you know, wishy washy and. Yeah, it just explores the different decisions that are made and the out- the potential outcomes that can happen that can happen from a situation like this. Yeah, so and basically the character that we were both the most drawn to and the most like shocked by was the um, character of Arthur Eden, who was played by Tom Wilkinson, right? So he's a very renowned corporate lawyer. He's the one that was concerned with the ethics, as um, Alex was saying. He slaved away for six years straight defending this company who was like producing this like poisonous cancer causing stuff right then he comes into possession with these documents and then he has a breakdown basically and he tries to expose the secret and in the process of trying to expose the secret the company places a hit on arthur and he's murdered stages of suicide and no one ever finds out how he died yeah which the themes there is so similar to the theme of a real life case and i was just when i was reading i couldn't help but think about like all the things we're saying about this this movie right right how futile what benefit really does law bring to society like i know it does plenty of good but there's also plenty of bad as well yeah it's like the grass is always greener on the other side and Mm -hmm. i think film Mm -hmm. always like movies make different professions like especially like like being lawyers it looks like something that people want to do it looks fun it looks like it's exciting and it's like worthwhile and fulfilling but in reality when you actually get into it you know you kind of like have to understand that this is like real life and people are impacted by a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Like this ain't no suits, you know? Not that I've ever watched suits. Like I deliberately did not watch suits because I didn't want to romanticize wow. the idea of being a lawyer in my you head. Right. It's a good show. <laughs> yeah. Well, how realistic is suits though? I mean, okay, so for one, it's in America. So not very for an Australian context. But second wise, yeah, it's not that realistic. Like, let's be real. No one's going to be living like the good life. <laughs> all the time it's a lot of hustling i reckon yeah mental stress yeah. and trauma a lot of mental stress and trauma you know my mom mm. did not want me to do law at all like you'd think for an asian parent they'd be all for it, you know, lawyer doctor oh, yeah. you know, banker oh, three. Mom, yeah, yeah my mom did not want me to do this like she was like helen why don't you do like any other field besides <laughs> law you know Honestly, I understand her now after learning a bit more about like the implications of what it means because we I grew up in this area. She's lived in this area for ages and she's seen the shit that happens to lawyers when they get into deep. Yeah. You know? Like ignorance is bliss sometimes. It really is. And if you're yeah, if you're a lawyer, you can't really be ignorant. You have to know. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't ignore anything. You you have to know everything. And with that comes yeah. all yeah. Information that maybe some maybe. people don't want to know. Exactly. Like, what did your parents think when you told them you were going to do law? I mean, they were just happy that they had a child that was going to do something, um, like, meaningful or fulfilling <laughs> compared to my other siblings. <laughs> Shots fired! Yeah, bro. I'm the first one. I was, like, the first one to go to uni, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to study law. And they was just like, whoa! Like, you are the golden child. The yeah, golden that's what, child. That's what I like to believe. But... Honestly, yeah, they don't really, like, know much about, like, I guess the reality of what law can be sometimes. It's just more like, Mm -hmm. I think they're just happy that I was going to a profession that requires, like, brain power and you can at least make meaningful contribution to society. Yeah. You know what? 
that's a nice way to look at it. Look, if we use our law degree in the right way, we can add a lot of meaning and value back into society. Exactly. But it's just balancing whether or not you prefer like finance and money from it rather than ethics. It's just finding that balance yeah. really. But I believe I believe we have the foundations to do good. It's just we have to be prepared for all the shit that comes with it. That's it. That's basically moral. Preparation story. is key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts and opinions about the case or the movie, Alex? I mean, overall, it's just depressing shit. Like, I was reading the case, and it just feels bad about like, the victim mm. and all the circumstances, his family, his kids, and just everything that went on. And then the movie, same shit, it's super depressing. I really didn't think I was going to yeah. be taken through an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. I'd get that um, invested into the movie, but. Yeah. The acting was good enough for me to be like, oh shit, like I actually care about this character. And feels yeah. bad when he got assassinated, murdered. Right. Whatever. It also yeah, yeah it also stars George Clooney and Tilda Swinton, you know? So like even oh, yeah. if the icing on the cake, reason why we watched it in Like I've never heard of that movie. Yeah, me neither. But it was really it was very depressing, I agree. Like it made me yeah, I remember after we watched it, we had to sit and we just decompress. <laughs> And we're just so thrown off by it. The rest of our day, we just kind of had to like chill out and relax. Yeah, night ruined. Like, stop thinking about it. Two in it. the morning. Yeah, night ruined. Actually, night ruined. It was two in the morning, but night still ruined. Like, <laughs> still there ruined. are cases that are interesting, and then there are cases that are depressing. There are cases that make you angry. These kind of cases are just depressing because I, I kind of just put myself in like the shoes, or like I, just, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of just think about like if that were me, how would I feel? And just to know your life could just end, just in a blink. It's kind of scary. Like, makes me want to value life a lot more. Yeah, I guess that is a moral of story. You never know when <laughs> life ends, basically. Or we only have such a short existence on this earth. We may as well make the most out of it. Do the most good we can. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I was watching a YouTube video and it pretty much broke down the amount of time we have to actually live. And you take away the things like sleeping, eating, mundane chores work all that mm. stuff and it boils down to very little it's it's like 20 years or something like that i can't remember the actual Jesus number Christ. but if you think that we live for like 80 plus years as like a whole and you only have 20 yeah. years to do the things you want to do i don't know if that number is right someone can correct me i might look at it after but i just know, <laughs> i just know that it was like a super 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 short amount of time that you actually have yeah. to do the things you want to do and oh that's scary yeah it really it was like shook yeah, definitely. I think like the longer I think about this, the more I'm kind of like, do I want to be devoting my life then to work as a corporate slave? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because that's taking even more time out of my 20 brief years that I have on this planet. Legit. If that at all, with the way the earth is burning, you know, if 20 years at all. I mean, another topic, but it feels bad for future generations <laughs> if we fuck up yeah. the world because, you know, they there's no reverse button. Like once it's done, it's no. done. It's done, yeah. So let that be a lesson to all the old people who are not um, helping contribute towards fixing climate change, shit like that. This is your fault. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They make the decisions. We live with the consequences. Yeah. Or any young person out there who just doesn't give a shit, you probably should. Yeah, please give a shit. Like, this is important stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very important. Like, one day we'll wake up and realise that this is the way we grew up is not going to be the same as the future generations right they're not going to get the same shit we did they can't enjoy parks and like bountiful nature walks exactly. and all that 
It's depressing. It's depressing. People should, just, people should just care a little bit more than they do now. You know, go and read some news articles. Just get yourself informed on things that are happening because you never know how much you might actually like care about something. Just, just mm-hmm, saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it might like change your entire world view or like what you wanted to do with your life oh, yeah. entirely. Definitely. Right? Definitely. So it's a good thing to do. <laughs> I sound like an old person. Go and read the news, but do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're both very old people trapped in young, failing bodies. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my liver's pretty much gone at this point. I think I need yeah, and me. whose fault is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one who introduced me to soju. Not me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> anyways, anyways, before we talk too much about Alex and soju, we have a lot of fun stories, which is for another time. Uh, I will leave you with a part of the statement released by the president of the Law Society of New South Wales at the time of Lydin's execution, Mr. Doug Humphrey said that, as lawyers, we don't get to choose our clients. And the suggestion that Lydin would be targeted because of his profession is particularly disturbing. And I feel like that pretty much sums up all my thoughts and opinions about this entire episode. Disturbing. Yeah. Disturbing. Disturbing. Yeah. I agree. Well, now... That is all. That is all from us for this fortnight. I hope you guys enjoyed and learnt a little more about our good old Sydney. And like a good academic, I have left the full reference list in the description of this podcast. And if Alex is able to find that video where it broke down the 20 years, we'll add oh, that yeah, in I, as well. No promises though, but I'll like... try my best. You know, it, we'll even do AGLC referencing for you guys. Jokes. Um... No, please, no, I don't want to do that ever again. Not in my free time. No more ATL. Well, fuck. We all have our own interests. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, also remember to subscribe if you would like to hear more from us. Um, again, we love any support that we're going to get. Um, and yeah, if you like what you hear, you can also find us on like Spotify or Apple Music or I think anywhere that hosts podcasts. We have a. We have this tech, like, we have this technological thing where it will just like send out our thing to everything. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, basically. And do follow us on Instagram um, on we live in a society pod for all the updates. And also, there's this snazzy little link in the description of um, our Instagram where if you click on it, it has all the links for everywhere we're uploaded. So you know, Whoa. that's super fun and super easy. Yeah, yeah, and it's really pretty as well. It all matches. The color scheme is perfect. I love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Now to carry over into the next fortnight, I'll leave with you a quote. So you know, you can think about it until the next time we speak again. As Joseph Conrad once said, the belief in the supernatural source of evil is not necessary because men alone are quite capable of every wickedness. Whoa. Take care. Stay safe, because we live in a society. Goodbye!